Hey there, this is Steph from StephFuccio.com with another episode of Geopat's Na Pod Pomo National Podcast Posting Month. Every day this month, crazy podcasters like myself will be posting a podcast episode. You can find out more at napodpomo.org. That's N-A-P-O-D-P-O-M-O. There's also a Facebook group. If you'd like to join in with us, please do find Napod Pomo there. Lastly, there is a group RSS feed. If you'd like to listen to many of the podcasters that are participating in the event and what they're doing on a daily basis, you can just copy and paste this into your podcast app and you will have access to all of us in one feed. Thank you again to Jennifer Navarrete who sets this all up. All month, I, on Geopets Now Pod Pomo, will be doing a range of experimental catch-up episodes of previous guests from all of the Geopets Podcast Network. You can look at all of those podcasts at stephfuccio.com forward slash podcasts. Yesterday, we heard from Matthew Boyle of Language Card Games on his impressions on the conversation that we had together in December of 2018. I cannot believe how long ago that was. It feels like yesterday, and yet it feels like I've known him longer. Um, He's not kidding on the friendship and the collaborations that have come out of our initial contact on YouTube all those years ago, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful thing that has transpired. Anyway, so Matthew told you his views yesterday, and he got me into thinking about his fascination with reading that really, really comes through in the conversation that we had back in 2018. So what I did is I took two clips from that initial interview, and I combined them together in this mini episode for you today. One is about reading English in his childhood, and one is about reading Chinese as an adult. And I think these are wonderful. If you've listened to Geopets Language Podcast or Geopets Book Podcast, you know how near and dear books and reading are to me. So I really, really cherish these moments when language learners also really strongly identify with the written word and the stories and all of that stuff that is so gorgeous. Before we get to Matthew, two quick things. If you would like to help us make all of these Geopets Podcast Network creations, including but not limited to Geopets Now Podcast, Pod Pomo, Geopets Language, Geopets Podcasting, so on and so on. There's a few different ways you can help us. One is if you would like to buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Geopets, G-E-O-P-A-T-S. Also, if you are starting a podcast or you want to switch your podcasting host, I highly recommend Captivate FM. They're an insanely creator-oriented hosting service with personality, marketing know-how, and so much more. I'm going to have my affiliate link for them in the show notes, and you can see it on the podcast app and at stefuccio.com forward slash pomo forward slash 36. That's where all the information for this episode will be, including but not limited to Matthew's information and any of the links that I'm mentioning in this podcast. However you help us keep going, we greatly, greatly appreciate you. So we're going to start off with Matthew's childhood experience, and then we'll slip into his adult experience, and then I'll come back to wrap it all up at the end. Is English your first language? Yes, it is. Okay. Do you remember anything either in the classroom or at home or anywhere? Do you remember anything about the process or the language that kind of sticks out in your memories of your childhood? Absolutely. I always share this kind of story with my students that growing up, 
uh, it was very important and it was a ritual at home that my parents would read to me every night. Mm -hmm. So that probably began when I was in the womb. Let's say I think my mom was probably reading stories to me then. (laughs) (laughs) That I think was critical for me because it gave me a strong interest and a strong ability in vocabulary from a young age. And we had all these books in the bedroom. And, you know, after dinner, I had to go to bed. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to stay up and watch a lot of TV or anything. So they, they would say, after dinner, take your shower, go to your bedroom, look at some books, wait for us. And my mom and dad would take turns every day and, and read me a story every single night. And as and, you know, as I got a little bit older and more able, mm-hmm. I would read to them and later to my younger brothers and sisters. So I really think that's critical to be reading stories with young ones. Right. OK, the image of you reading to your parents is adorable. That is is so cute. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You know, if it was, if it was a very hard book, then we might, you know, we might do like, I read a page, they read a page, I read a page, they read a page. Cause I would insist that I want to read some, you know, sometimes you want to be read to, but sometimes as a child, you, you want to be the boss and you want to read the book. Do you ever find yourself reading the same thing in both languages? Like the same book or the same, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's one method I didn't mention is I really like to read children's books in Chinese. I have a collection of probably a 100 children's books, and many of them are books that I read as a child. And some of them are totally in Chinese. Some of them are half, uh, like one page is English, and and the next page is Chinese, or else it has the English or it may have the Chinese under the English. So I have a bunch of bilingual books. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. How did you start doing that? Like, what gave you the inspiration for that? Uh, well, I I might have thought, I, I can't remember exactly when that started, but I, I probably thought to myself, you know, as a child, what did you do to learn? You read books a lot with your parents. You know, I told you that story. So I probably knew I at some point needed to get some Chinese children's books. But what happened is actually one day I was in a Chinese, a big Chinese market. And of all things, there was a huge table there that day piled high with children's books out of the blue. This is a place I go to get vegetables. It's like a huge open air vegetable market. I mean, they have some other things, but you know how China is. Sometimes the most random things pop up. And so I had to have that opportunistic mindset. I knew this could not be, this might not be here tomorrow or next week. And um, I think I must have bought like 25 books on the spot because they were only like five quiet apiece or something. So I bought a bunch and I came back every single day until she was gone. And I think I had like 100 books by the time she had left. You know, I don't know why she didn't stay just to serve me. She probably could have made a fortune, but. <laughs> I was pulling out English children's books that are from like the 40s and the 50s with with the English erased and the, you know, same pictures, but the English is erased and Chinese is put in its place. So like famous English children's books from England and also the States and some from Canada, ones that my parents read to me. And then more recently, more modern books like uh, The Giving Tree and stuff like this. 
Um, so I stocked up on those, and I, I do read those a lot. That is fantastic. I've had some people fairly recently suggest like watching movies that you know and like having the language in the language, your first language, like for me, having the language in English, like the audio language in English, but having the subtitles in Chinese, especially for me, I'm, I want to read. And I was, I've, that's one of the things that I'm hoping to start doing soon. And I feel like this is one of those things, like you said, something you enjoyed doing in your first language, start doing it in the language that you're learning. Did you notice any fun differences between the language or the cultural aspects of the books, even though the pictures were the same and the stories were basically the same? Did you pick up on any differences? No, nothing major. Some, And I won't be able to think of a specific example, but sometimes things, when they do the translation, sometimes they have to put it in a way that the Chinese reader would understand. So you you look at it and you're like, well, that, they didn't translate it right. And it's like, well, but no, part of translation is you have to make it understood. You have to make it understandable. So I, I do notice that a lot. And I pick that up more and more as I learn the way Chinese people think about something uh, and the way Chinese works. But f for the most part, the children's books are a little more simple. And you, I don't think you see a major difference. They do... I mean, the translation's pretty darn close. Right, right. Like, I've, I have tried to pick up, like, Chinese books for children, but I've, I found that the language was, again, in, even before I was focusing more on reading, I was trying to do, I don't know, it was just a mess. But I, but I found that between the cultural differences, the stories, and the text, it was just, it was too much. But I think coming from a story you know... And then doing it that way, and then the language being the only difference. I think that would be a huge yes. bump in understanding. Yes. Yeah, that's a brilliant Absolutely. idea. Oh my goodness. I feel like there's a video series in there somewhere, Matt. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like sure. Well, I know some people, they there's been some popular channels where pe like parents... They read the books. They they have a video of them of the book, and you see their hand and the pages turn, and they'll read the books in Chinese and English. Um, so you can play that for your child. So your your child's watching a video, but it's basically showing the turning pages of a book. So I think that's a great idea. I love being read to. I've always been a fan. Even though I I I read a lot, I've also always been a fan of like old school like radio shows and audio audiobooks and podcasts like I, I can't pick between written form and audio form it's almost impossible and I yeah yeah that's a nice bridge isn't it that's a cool idea it's a really cool idea because you're seeing it hearing it and you've got the pictures there too so you're not really sacrificing a ton I mean it's not cuddling up in somebody's lap but as far as as far as I'm concerned I don't, I don't need that right now as an adult so I'm okay <laughs> If they can find a way to put, put arms on the computer or some sort of Android, then that can raise your child for you. <laughs> hey, I'm seeing more and more giant stuffed animals in, around stores in Shanghai, so I'm sure those exist in other places too. <laughs> I'm seeing more and more robots too, like baby robots. I don't know what they do yet, but I keep seeing them in tech stores. Yeah, it's coming. It's so coming. Aren't those stories wonderful?
I loved re-listening to that. I tell you what, there's nothing quite like going back a couple years in time and re-listening to what some of my guests have said about their relationship with language. If you like these kinds of stories, please do dig into the show notes and listen to the full episode of this conversation that Matthew and I had from December of 2018. Also, there are a lot more language conversations over on Geopets Language, so if you like that, you might want to subscribe. Remember, it's free to subscribe to any Geopets podcast. This episode is brought to you by StephFuccio.com, where I offer custom podcasting services, including but not limited to podcast editing, podcast workshops, and more. Remember, you can find all of the show notes for everything we mention in this episode today at stephfuccio.com forward slash napod pomo forward slash 36. All right, it's 30 days in a row, so I'll be back tomorrow.